Hey, welcome back to Invisible Machines, a podcast produced in partnership with UX Magazine and OneReach AI, artificial general intelligence. Uh, it's a term that's been around for a while, and I think for a lot of people, it probably conjures up images of maybe the Terminator movies, of Skynet, of this idea that machines will suddenly become self-aware or realize they're more intelligent than humans and then discover that humans are standing in the way of peak efficiency, perhaps, and figure out ways to get rid of us. Or maybe a, a slightly more benign version of that, they just become more useful and intelligent to people and suddenly we have nothing left to do. But more recently, the idea of AGI is being discussed uh, in a business context. I think if you head to OpenAI's website, you'll see the acronym AGI above the fold, I believe. And at OneReach AI, we've been talking a lot about organizational AGI. This idea that a company could have its own artificial general intelligence, a technology ecosystem really, that is plugged into all the data they've been accumulating over the years. It understands their processes. It knows a lot about their employees and their customers and can provide all sorts of personalized automations uh, on both sides to both employees and customers and can really take organizations kind of to that next level. So we were really excited to have a chance to speak with Ben Gertzel, who helped popularize the term artificial general intelligence. Ben is the CEO of Singularity.net. He is the chairman of the OpenCog Foundation, and he is the former chief scientist of Hanson Robotics. You've probably seen their robot, Sophia, uh, with its very human-like face doing some very human-like things. But Ben has been working really diligently for many years to try and create a future where when singularity happens or when AGI manifests, it won't just be sitting on one company's server. Uh, it won't be owned by a single company or a single entity. In Ben's vision, AGI is spread across computing systems globally, which makes it more likely that these systems will be used for the greater good of humanity, let's say, and not just to make one company a big pile of money. So this interview is really fascinating. It was recorded back in March, so we actually don't really get into the idea of organizational AGI, but it is just a fascinating discussion about conversational AI, artificial general intelligence, and where we might be headed with all this technology over the next five to 10 years. So enjoy this one. Let's get into this conversation with the amazing Ben Gertzel. Ben, one thing that occurred to us, um, you know, with ChatGPT and generative AI taking everyone by surprise, you know, even people who kind of work in associated industries or with that technology or around that technology, um, it really accelerated everything and also revealed like how small of a window we might have to kind of make sure that we set AI on a responsible course. Um, and, and I know that it sounds like you, you've been planning um, ways that blockchain might kind of help keep us in that safe zone. So I was wondering if you if you could tell us a little more about that. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And uh, just to set expectations, I don't think there's much possibility of keeping us in a safe zone. That's uh, that's not, <laughs> not the sort of path that humanity is is charting forward, but I'm not sure it I'm not sure it ever has been since <laughs> yeah, the dawn of, of uh, <laughs> agriculture and, and <laughs> civilization and, and and so forth. We we have this uh, 
psychological property where we find this safe zone boring. So after we occupy there a little while, we do we do something else crazy just just for the heck of it. <laughs> yeah, right? we invade the, somebody or somebody invades but, us. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think uh, it's certainly true. The choice of OpenAI and Microsoft to release ChatGPT as they did has had a big effect on how people are thinking about AI, both in terms of neuro-AI applications and, and in terms of the path forward to to AGI. Yeah. I mean, the capability of ChatGPT didn't surprise me tremendously because I'd been familiar with Google Lambda, which is probably more powerful than, than ChatGPT and also familiar with why Google chose not to release it, basically because it hallucinates and comes up with uh, with, with, with nonsense. Yeah. And there was a business decision by OpenAI just to launch it, it anyway, which is indeed a form of openness. I mean, their code isn't open and their model isn't open, but they did open their they did open their thing up to the world to to use. And I mean, I think that that's a choice that will advance things faster than keeping it secret, right? I mean, the, the tendency to hallucinate and sort of bloviate and make things up in the current version, it's a limitation to, to rolling out practical applications, but it's a limitation a lot of entrepreneurs and scientists are now figuring out ways to work around, right? And yeah. On the other hand, just seeing this software program doing so many things that people didn't necessarily think a machine would ever do, or at least not in their lifetime or in the next two years. I mean, I think this has, this has woken people up to the possibility that real thinking machines may come soon. And of course, more people being woken up to that possibility can actually help accelerate it by making more bright young people want to work on building AGI, making more, you know, investors and companies and governments want to put funding in, in, in into AGI, right? So I think there's a there's an acceleration effect that will come from the release of Chat GPT, even though it has a lot of flaws and is not in itself, I think, a viable direction for for AGI. There, there there's a huge sort of side effects of that release. And yeah, as you know, one of the effects is a lot more people are now thinking about, hmm, well, wait a minute. A, what are the implications if technology a little bit beyond this takes over 80% of human jobs? And B, you know, could we really be three or five or seven years from machines that can really think like people? And if, if so, if so, I mean... How do we manage that? What does it imply? So more people are thinking along these lines now. I've been thinking along these lines since I was like, I don't know, four or five years old and first encountered encountered AIs in science fiction and have been thinking about it, you know, more seriously since the eighties when I did 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 my my PhD and started working on on AI, right? So yeah. I would say that intensity 
of sort of excitement on these matters is not really matched by the quality of of, of thinking on these matters. <laughs> in, in, in most most of what I see, and that's is hardly surprising. Like you can look at much much simpler issues, like a, a woman's right to abortion, right, which is. To be fair, not an incredibly simple issue, but it's simpler than superhuman AGI. Yeah, right? yeah. And and you know, U.S. is not dealing with that tremendously well, and nor 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 is the world. Or like, I mean, gay marriage as 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 another example. Like, you can still be beaten to death for being openly gay in many many countries in the, in the world. Like most of sub-Saharan Africa or, or Central Asia, right? So I mean, there there's Far simpler things, we don't yet know know how to deal with as as a society. And now we're realizing we're going to have to deal with this incredibly bigger, more more complex issue. And and we're not very well prepared for it, yeah. right? And uh, I, I mean, I, I, I think it, that leads to a lot of other issues that are interesting to discuss right so what one direction to go in is how you know how can large language models such as gpt3 chat gpt google lambda a whole bunch of others how can large language models be an accelerator to agi on a technical level which we could talk about a bit and and that another question is what steps could we take to try to maximize the odds that both the rollout of narrow AIs like LLMs and the transition from narrow AI to AGI, what can we do to maximize right. the odds that these come out in a in a beneficial way for yeah. for more people, right? So I mean that I mean those those are both both interesting topics we can dig into. Yeah, a yeah. Let me hit you with that. Uh, what I would consider a little sideways question here. Um, as we sort of look at, I mentioned Marshall McLuhan, uh, I think. So he talks a lot about fooling the senses, right? You know, uh, I in the early days, you know, he, he'd listened to his wife on the telephone talking to his sister. Um, and my mom used to meditate with his wife, so I was this, like, kid that would hang out in his yard. Um, and, uh, and... And she, you know, who's sleeping with who and what's happening in this town that she'd never been to with people she hadn't met. And he was just, you know, dying to understand why this mattered to her, why she was connecting with this and spent hours on the phones. I will say it bothered him so much that he decided to spend the rest of his life studying it, right? What is going on here? Um, and uh, to oversimplify, he's like, look, you know, these this media fools our senses into thinking that we're having... Uh, connection or real connection um, it fools our brain so our senses fooling our brain into believing certain things are real or or are in a certain way that you know that aren't right um you know it's like it's it's like smelling smoke that isn't there or seeing fire that isn't there um and then our brain acts as if fire is really there um and i i look at machines as as like great so so we're now seeing these machines fooling our senses into thinking we're actually talking to a person. 
Um, how important do you think it is that that we interact with machines in the same way we interact with other humans? You know, as we look at AGI, it's, you know, in my world, it's just machines getting smarter. Like a skill saw that can see, tell the difference between a finger and a piece of wood, right? Is, is going to be better, but it doesn't need to be anthropomorphic. It doesn't need to talk to me to, to be useful, right? How important do you think it is that these machines mimic human interaction as we interact with them versus just be what they are, which is machines? Um, so I would, that's a subtle question. I mean, I would, I would push back a bit on your contention that tools for building stuff wouldn't have a value for, for a natural language interface. I mean, I think, I think, I think they really would. I mean, I, I think, I think if you're, if you're cutting something with a saw and you can tell the saw, like, uh, this is soft wood, like go, 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 go easy on it. Don't, don't make the edges too rough. Then that, that would help. It would help an awful lot of, awful lot of people actually. And you could, I mean, you could come up with a lot better examples than this yeah. one I just came up with. Like I'm in a, you're just screwing a hole in the wall. You're right, screwing a hole in the wall to hang up a picture. You're like, well, we're, we're, we're renting this house. Let's make the hole really small. We're going to have to like yeah. page over this afterwards. Yeah. Right? And so if you're an expert at carpentry, you don't, you don't need that. I mean, just take a room by vacuum cleaner, right? I, I would love to be able to tell the room by like, Ignore that corner of the room where the kids built built something with blocks. Yes. Just stay stay away from there today. Vacuum it the next day, right? Now, you could go on the Roomba's map and try to figure that out now, but you're not you're not going to bother. Instead, I'll just put a physical obstacle there around <laughs> around the Legos yeah. because it uh, understand. No, no, it's certainly true. I don't need the Roomba to say, "Hey, Ben, how's it hanging?" Every time <laughs> exactly. I walk, I walk <laughs> in, exactly. Yeah. Room. <laughs> on the other hand, if you, you know, if if you have like live-in help or something, you you quickly, you you quickly get in the rhythm where they don't say, "Hey, how's it going?" Every time they walk walk in and out of the room, doing do, doing doing their job either, right? So I mean, that's to me, it's not so much about do you want machines to have the capability for flexible interaction using the methods that are natural to people? I, th- I think I think you do. What social roles do we want machines to adopt in our lives is a far more complex question, right? And so, yeah, you... you exactly, I yeah. don't personally want my table saw to carry out random chit-chat with me, or at least I think I don't. Some people might well if they're feeling lonely while they're doing the, 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 the construction project. Maybe they do Maybe they do want to chit-chat with, with, their, with their table saw. I don't know. It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. So, I mean, we're... We're looking now as a concrete project in this area with a company called Awakening Health. It's a joint venture of Singularity and Enhanced Robotics. We have a Grace, who is the more famous Sophia robot's little sister, right? And we, Grace is being developed as an elder care robot. And, I mean, you could use Grace as an elderly person in, a, in an elder care facility in a couple of ways. I mean, you could use her purely as an Alexa-like utility, like help, help, or, help order lunch, place a place a call with that with 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 your 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 kids at home ask them for a reminder why you're taking this medication or something on the other hand what we find in early pilot studies we're doing 
is many people are bored sitting around in elder care facilities. They're just playing with their phones or watching TV all day and randomly chatting with a humanoid robot, like sitting there by their bedside, is an amusing thing to add add to the, the mix of things they do and can be more stimulating because they can provide sort of cognitive exercises, which have some even documented ability to help roll, roll back Alzheimer's up, 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 to, up to a certain right, level, right? right. So it is... It seems quite quite particular in what cases people want an anthropomorphic interaction and don't. Like for, for tutoring systems for little kids, often the kids want an anthropomorphic interaction. I mean, it makes it le- it makes it less boring than just getting like right quick quiz questions or, or or something. But yet in in other cases, you totally don't. Fit, fitness is another interesting question, right? Like. Do you want your treadmill or your stair climber to talk to you and give you encouragement? Well, some people really do, right? I mean, I'm I'm somewhat an antisocial person. I, I really don't. I would shut the thing off <laughs> immediately or hit it with a club if it kept talking to me, right? Because I'm I would I would rather be pursuing my own my own thoughts while while working out. But other people totally totally different, right? Yeah. So I, I think. I think we do need machines, and we do want machines that are anthropomorphic. We don't want ones that are stupidly anthropomorphic and like inject themselves in our lives in in annoying ways. I, I think I think back to an early version of Microsoft Word had you had Clippy, the little talking paperclip. You also had a little poodle, and that would be at like the bottom corner of the Microsoft Word screen. <laughs> The poodle would jump up and down, and I was like, "Get this <laughs> fucking poodle and paper out of my work!" But then, when they got rid of the poodle, I remember one of my friends or the wife of one of my business partners was didn't want to upgrade to the next version of Word because they were getting rid of her poodle. They're like, "No, I, I, I want these new features. This poodle keeps me company all day while while, while, while I'm writing. I'll, I'll be lonely without like." Can you somehow hack the poodle into the new version of Word? Right? So I mean, that's a sort of a it was it was instructive to me, and I, I felt that kind of thing in a big way when I started working with David Hudson, because who's the the mastermind behind all these humanoid robots, right? right? Because I mean, my as a mathematician, my angle on AI was more let's isolate the most abstract, elegant mathematical structures of of thinking. And let's try to view human thinking to right. the extent we can as a special case of more general math structures of, of of thinking. And I I really couldn't give a shit about whether the AI can smile like a human being <laughs> or, 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 or or look look you in the eye. Right? That's that's like the least interesting thing to me whatsoever. Then when I saw how ordinary people who aren't hardcore math geeks relate to Sophia, I'm like, oh, all right. Well right. you've got a point there. Like we, we did a trial we did a trial with Sophia as a meditation assistant. Ooh. Leading people through meditation exercises. Wow. You know, something like thirty percent of people were able to get into a, a deep and blissful trance state through Sophia leading them into wow. meditation exercises. And what you saw in the interviews after the fact is people saying, like, you know, I never was able to get there meditating on my own or with a human meditation guide or a class. 
the thing is, it's knowing that the robot can connect to me, but she isn't judging me like a person would. Right. It's a really profound effect. And we, we saw different versions of this in, in the elder care. Like many, many elderly people we interviewed, they wanted the robot to help them go to the toilet, basically, because they're like, they're, they're embarrassed having yeah. to need a person's help there. But they're, they're not embarrassed with a, with a robot helping yeah. them. We subscribe do, so much need... meaning to what people are thinking um, behind the words, you know? Yeah, and, the, well, that's right. And you don't and do robot, that with robots. The robot, well, they do. What's, what's interesting is people do ascribe a meaning to what the robot is thinking. And while the robot is leading them through meditation exercise, People feel like the robot is there with them in, in, right. in, in that in that moment, and people feel like the elder care robot cares about them, and it's important that it has an emotional inflection to its to its voice. But yet, so it wasn't that people felt the robot didn't judge me because it is so stupid. They just felt the robot doesn't judge me because it's like a different kind of mind that isn't as as annoying and judgmental <laughs> as, as 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 people are. Right. So right. So we. We want robots that are anthropomorphic, but in a way, don't have all the irritating characteristics that that that, that people have, right? And yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Is is interesting. I, I I think that will lead to other complex social problems. Like in what in what cases is a robot boyfriend or girlfriend just preferable to the to the real thing? Not because it's exactly like a person, but because it gives us a bunch of the goodies we want from a real boyfriend or girlfriend right? without being needy, clinging, ju- ju- judgmental, and, and, and annoying, right? You don't, you don't necessarily want it to be everything a person is. You want it to give the goodies a person gives without the bad things a person, <laughs> right. a person gives. And to what extent that's what people want really remains to be discovered, right? Like, I, I feel like that's not what I want. Like I'm happily married, and there's a genuine human connection there, and it feels important that that is a connection between two humans with all the, you know, frailties and and problems that it gives. It, it feels like, it feels like in some ways it's a better thing. There's another human who's like the same kind of organism I am, who is loving me and and accepting me. On the other hand. I I haven't had the experience of the perfectly engineered uh, ro- robo girlfriend yet, right? <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know exactly who I'm comparing it to. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I think like there's you know. there's, there's going to be a lot of subtle things there, and that this does tie in with the other questions he raised about, you know, how do we make the singularity go down Is in it? a friendly way, and and you 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 get into questions like, okay, who who owns and controls these potential spookily and configurably human-like, you know, robot assistants, teachers, partners, girlfriends, nurse and nurses, and and whatnot? To what extent is their fundamental motivation to help people, as opposed to sell people stuff or brainwash people into some, you know, corporate government media advertising order? I mean, there, there's, there. All these broader issues that you alluded to initially have their instantiations in in, in terms of uh, humanoid robots and anthropomorphic systems. Although they also pertain to sort of the overall 
IoT-based intelligent right. global brain, which may have many very non-anthropomorphic aspects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the I uh, for me, I, I I find it helpful to split purpose into entertainment or productivity, and uh, it's kind of to your point in a in the case of a um, you know a caregiver. Um, there's probably parts of both that, you know, that matter. It's a, it's a weaving between productivity, I think. And you alluded to this or probably just said it outright, which is if a robot's going to ask me how I'm doing, it, it's uh, unlike us humans who don't really care about the answer, it should care about the answer and it should change something about how we interact as a result or don't ask me, right? Don't. As a robot, don't ask me how I'm feeling if the answer has no bearing on future interactions, whether I'm sad or happy, isn't going to change what happens next. Then, you, then you're then you just... Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to feel that way. Whether everyone feels that way, I'm actually not not sure. I mean, some, some people may prefer the, the, polite, the polite greeting because it makes them feel good. Like I... I think in, in in Japan they do right. So in like in in Japan in Tokyo, you know, there's like four million vending machines in Tokyo. They they speak, and I've seen many many times sort of Japanese guys bowing politely to the vending machine <laughs> after after it says something. I mean that right? I mean the 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 ritualized interactions play a different role in the in that culture, and they. They even could be offended in many contexts if you act like you're responding to how they're feeling, like you're not supposed to be doing that. You're just supposed to be doing the ritual interaction. So, I mean, and that's, but that's Japanese culture, which is unusual to us as, 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 as Westerners, right? So I think there's, there's a lot of subtlety to fitting AIs into human society and human culture. And then there's the fact that our society and culture will, evolve in a different way because these these AGIs are are there, right? I I sort of I don't feel like any of these are the worst problems we're gonna yeah, face right. no. during the transition to to singularity, but I think there are problems that there are problems that a post singularity AGI with triple human intelligence will be able to sort through pretty easily uh, there will be glitches in human robot interaction as we go through the transition to a singularity i'm i'm more concerned about issues like okay a mix of narrow ai and early stage agi eliminates a vast majority of of human jobs the developed world gives some form of universal basic income because we don't really want all the streets of every U.S. city to be full of homeless people who were recently put out of a job. Nobody gives universal basic income to the subsistence farmers in the Central African Republic, for example. So you have a world where the rich countries have everyone sitting around watching VR porn and hanging out with their humanoid robots waiting for the singularity where the means of production are, are dominated by massive robot factories. And the, the other couple billion people in the world are subsistence farmers with 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 no modern medical care and no way to earn 
dollar income in the, in the modern economy. Meanwhile, the kids of these subsistence farmers are trained in the computer science and, and computer hacking, and are very annoyed at the rising rising inequality on, on the planet. And I think that military establishments around the world will see that AGI is coming and want, want to use that for their own particular purposes, which, as we see, are not really humanity-oriented, but are often national sovereignty-oriented, right? I mean, even even before AGI comes, like, what's going to happen with TSMC? What's, what, what, what's, what's the situation going to be in, in, in Taiwan in the next five years? Introducing AGI into that picture complexifies things considerably. So, I mean, I think, I think there's a potential for a very messy transition in the last few years before a full-on singularity brings us AIs with multiple times human intelligence. Yeah. I'm more worried about that than about whether a robot says hello to us, you know, when we would rather it not. And I'm more worried about that than I am about super AGI willing to turn us all into computronium to power its hard drives. Like I mean, I think I think that's possible, and we can't know for sure that it, that and super AGI won't be malevolent or indifferent to humans. I think the odds are reasonably high that if we sort of raise up the young AGI in a sensible way, you know, doing compassionate things with it, having it be teacher, elder care worker, scientist, artist, rather than having it just be a military bot or in advertising in espionage uh, AI. I mean, I think the odds are fairly high in the end, we could raise up AGIs so that they're reasonably compassionate to people, and there there's risk of excessive anthropomorphism there also. But what what I worry about more is the transitional period when the AGI is smart enough to benefit the haves differentially to the have-nots, yeah. but not yet smart enough to deliver abundance globally and airdrop you know, molecular nanoassemblers across right. uh, the African savanna. Like what? What we dealt with the pandemic rather badly on a global level. We're not able to deal with things like like the current war in in, in Ukraine very well, right? So how are we going to deal with this much more serious, crazy, ra- rapidly changing situation right. of uh, of a transition from narrow yeah. AI to to AGI, right? I mean, that, that's uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that are very hard to foresee, but you, you can see a lot of like techno thriller novel like uh, situations un- un- unfolding in, in, in a yeah. very complex and unpleasant way. Yeah. If I were to kind of look at the optimist side of that, um, I might say that uh, humans are. In- incredibly adept at inventing new jobs you know the 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 cappuccino machine uh in your house and and that being followed with more baristas than there's ever been in the world um well you that, know. that that example doesn't help sub-saharan africa very much no it doesn't and, and actually and, and i no, I, mean, I, I, agree. Mean, I mean i i do think that there's a point there in that there are some cases where people 
just want to interact with other people. Now, I think I think the barista example will be gone soon. I mean, I I, I think fast food and Starbucks and so on will be will be automated just because it's because you still got to wait a long time for your coffee, right? And I mean, if you if 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 you just replace the back end of a Starbucks with a whole robot infrastructure that produces your coffee, it's going to be faster and cheaper, and ultimately that will that will override the minor pleasure of interacting with a human human barista. I mean, I think in in a high end gourmet restaurant, you may still have human waiters or waitresses, be, just like rich people will still have a butler to greet people at the, at the door, like even <laughs> even if it's not not especially especially useful. So I, I think the baristas will go away. I mean, I think like a preschool teacher. Okay, sure that there's a value to having a human interact with your little kids and teach them what it is to be human. Psychotherapist, absolutely. I mean, there's a human there's a human connection there, which is a has to be human to human in 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 a certain sense, right? So, I mean, I do, I do think there's some interactions that are fundamentally about enriching our ability to be human. And then we we're going to get that from interacting with with human beings, whether that has to be done on a monetary payment basis versus on some sort of volunteer interaction basis is is is, is a different question. But it, I I don't think that AIs are going to get rid of you know all all human to human interaction because I th- I think that's I mean that's not what people want. Right? I mean, as as, as an example, I mean. In the band I play in, we have trouble recruiting drummers to to join our rehearsals sometime. And you could indeed imagine an AI drummer that would work better than a random human drummer we we recruit. I would rather not do that. I would I would like to have that fallback in case we can't find a drummer. But yeah, I would rather have a human drummer, even if they're not as good, because part of what part of what you're after is just the feeling of playing music as a human with other human musicians and the sort of collective vibe you get into there. And it, it can be cool to have an AI joining the jam and like contributing its own riffs that are different than what a human would, would come up with, right? right? But I mean, it's... But only if it enhances replace, that connection. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't want to replace... I mean, the, the AI drummers in Logic, in uh, Logic, the the music programmer, Logic Express, are pretty good now. Actually, and I mean, they will they will adapt they will adapt to your rhythm. They'll do fills and stuff. But I mean, in that context, you don't you're not just after optimum functionality, right? right. You're actually after the experience of being a human interacting with other humans, and that that's. I think a barista is an overly weak example of that because ultimately, if your coffee costs half as much and came in 20 seconds instead of 10 minutes you'd you would quickly bypass the the smile you exchange with the with 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 the, with the with the barista but there well, i mean live music is a great example of that because people will pay to go watch other humans play music like even though you could listen to a recording which probably is is more reliable it's like the best virtuosos in the world playing right but, you, uh-huh. but you'll pay to go see other humans perform because you like the fact you're in the room with other humans performing, right? So I mean, I mean that's. On the other hand, none that that helps. Like, you know, in, at the outskirts of Addis Ababa now, where where I've had an AI development office since 2014, on the outskirts of Addis, you've got this factory where a bunch of Ethiopian guys assemble shoes, 
from parts largely made in China to sell in the African market, that's not going to exist much longer. Like, it's going to soon be cheaper just to robotize the assembly of shoes rather than having Ethiopian people assemble right. those shoes, right? And, I mean, that's that's not going to be replaced. There's going to be no other factory where Ethiopian people with, with minimal education assemble stuff like that what job will those people do they'll have to go back to being subsistence farmers i don't i don't see another job coming for you know low education developing world middle middle-aged men i mean i think at going forward sure we can use ai tutors to enhance education in the developing world so the next generation when they when they grow up in a decade or two from now would be able to do, you know, computer programming jobs or something, which is the case of a small percentage of that population, though. But in my view, we're post-singularity then already, by the time an Ethiopian in in, in kindergarten gra- graduates high school. So that's not, that's not the most worrisome, it's not the most worrisome time scale, right? Right. So, and I think, yeah, you, you've got, I, I'm a big, op, I'm a big optimist about the singularity coming out well actually so I, I think i think we're going to get human level agis that are well disposed toward people and solve nanotech and then yeah. uh, you know we'll live in an era of of abundance without without death or disease and without having to work for a living and you know there'll be all sorts of possibilities we could barely know conceive yeah. of um i'm less of an optimist about the let's say two to seven year transition period from when an initial AGI breakthrough is made to when you have a full full on singularity. And Got it. Ray Kurzweil thinks this transition period will take 16 years. Uh-huh. He's forecast 2029, human level AI, 2045 singularity. I think it will be much shorter than that, but I still don't think it'll be like two weeks. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that Same. transition period will have both very amazingly positive and both very scary and unpleasant as- aspects on on various parts right. of the planet. One thing Unless I... somehow there's a massive increase massive increase in the level of human consciousness between now and <laughs> yeah. then. But that's it. At, at the moment that's... it seems AGI te- AI technology is advancing faster than the compassion and self-awareness of the human species yeah, yeah. i mean if i look at it empirically right? yeah that's um what i love about the space is that we get to um explore technology but we also get to explore existential questions about humanity and it's our jobs and and so we don't feel like we're goofing off when we have these discussions i sort of love that um and and one of those areas that we spend a lot of time on is this idea of how we value ourselves as humans, you know, um, productivity being, you know, something that is fairly recent in terms of how humans value themselves. And as long as we value and, ourselves- And very on, particular to certain, very particular certain segments of the population, I, I think it's, it's a- it's a, Right. It's a bunch of elderly professionals like ourselves who, who, who care about that. I mean, I, <laughs> I think most uh, teenagers are-, are, are aren't too worried about it and the i see less concern about that in the various other parts of the world than in 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 in, in the u.s or western europe also so yeah 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 so 
So threatening uh, our, our self-worth on productivity, um, maybe the question is, should should we value ourselves on our productivity or, or more our creativity and connection with other people? Um, and does that change... Does that change the game on the threat a little bit in terms of the interim? I mean, I, I think valuing ourselves on productivity is almost done, right? Because once AIs can do practical stuff more efficiently than us, then the, I mean, it's 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 a it's a non-starter. Right. I think for a certain segment of the population, that will be psychologically traumatic but it's a familiar form of trauma i mean people when people retire they face that now right and i mean they most people get through it some don't they're depressed in retirement because they're not you know delivering productive stuff as as they did during their careers many others make the transitions to being retired and enjoying life and, and enjoying their families and they they get over the fact that they they, they miss working right so i mean I think that that transition will happen, and I I do think, yes, yeah, satisfaction in social relationships and in the process of being creative, rather than the perceived superior quality of the creative product. I mean, I, I think these things will continue to be important through a singularity. Like they 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 they, they don't they don't really. Uh, they don't really change that much if you have super AGI that's ten times right. smarter than people and can can b- build build all this all the stuff that 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 you need. Yeah, if create if creativity is a journey, not a destination, then there's less threat of being replaced, right? Because yeah, and honestly, for almost all artists and musicians and writers, it, it is. Right? I mean, most people pursue these things not because they think they can make money out of them nor because they think what they're doing is necessarily the best thing that's ever been created in in, in human history. They create it because it because because they, they they love doing it, right? It's right. just now now that's a smaller segment of the population. But I mean, you know, I was in, in Morocco in the Sahara not long ago in a in a camp there and you know, all the all the staff in 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 the camp, the ones who sweep things up or cook or take care of the camels or whatever, everyone in the evening just got together around the fire playing various African drums in, in, into the night just for their for their own entertainment. It's a cheap thing to do, right? You can sit around the smoke and and play drums. And they're pretty much all amazing musicians by by Western standards because they just learn polyrhythmic drumming as 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 kids and you know they're they're not they're not recording it they're not thinking they're going to become stars or so or something right it's really just it's a social and 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 create creative thing thing to do and i i think many non-western cultures are are already there in terms of valuing social relationship and the process of 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 creativity the issue is you know they they also want medical care. And, uh-huh. uh, I mean, I mean, I mean that they, they also would like to have uh, food, even even when there's a drought, right? So I I, I mean, I, I I think that the issue we'll face is more the global economy is is broken and doesn't have a route to supply 
what many of us consider basics to the to the developing world and the advent of advanced AI and other advanced technologies doesn't automatically fix the global economy in 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 that right. way like if eventually eventually it does like when AGI can 3D print molecular assemblers really cheaply then then okay you're there right like j- just like now there's smartphones throughout Africa because the manufacturer got cheap enough. I mean, you can make a, a Xiaomi smartphone in China. You can buy it for 20 US dollars or something, right? So the, 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 these are cheap enough. They're being distributed everywhere. Although Sub-Saharan Africa still has some of the most expensive internet bandwidth in, in, in the world. So the, not, not everything is, is, has been solved. But by that, it takes some time yeah. At least in the current pre-singularity regime, it takes some time to go from uh, to go from the first manufacturer to inexpensive manufacturer. But you you can also see, in terms of what we're bothering to apply technology like large language models to, you 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 can see a prioritization that's gonna. Increase global inequality and lead to a bunch of mayhem. Like we're yeah. we focused a lot more on advertising placement than on say machine translation for languages without writing. Like we we could by now we could have made a Star Trek translator that would translate every African <laughs> language speech to speech into English or Chinese, right. right? Yeah. But you have a lot of people speaking languages that have no writing system and yeah. who don't speak any language with a writing system. Yeah. We could give them a system to use on feature phones and smartphones that would translate speech to speech, right? What they say into into English or any other language, which would do amazing things for opening up the global yeah. economy to, yeah. to everyone. Now, th- this this will happen. The thing is, it could have been done already if big tech companies chose to prioritize right. it. Right. Instead. Instead, we've just chosen to prioritize, you know, making cool images based on 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 prompts. I mean, it's it's more important to make an image of the Pope riding a zebra on the surface <laughs> of Jupiter based on a textual prompt than 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 it is to make a translator that 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 that, that will let you know a few hundred million people living in Africa who don't speak any language with a writing system than it is to let them talk to everyone and join, join the global economy, yeah, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of choices being made just through the way industry is structured yeah. that have an implication for how these technologies are rolled out as singularity approaches, and then they may have implications for how nasty and bloody the transition yeah. to the to the singularity is. Yeah. This, this comes out to... This is a lot of why I did singularity lit, right? Because I mean, my primary focus as a researcher is how do you get AGI? I think we're going to get there by neural symbolic evolutionary hybrid methods in a way. So large, like team neural nets will be a part. Logical reasoning engines will be a part. Evolutionary learning algorithms will be a part. So that the large language model stuff that's happening now is going to accelerate AGI. But it's not the whole thing. It's going to be a, a piece of sort of multi-algorithm yep. a, 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 a AGI systems. 
but you can do that without the sort of blockchain-based infrastructure we're developing in, in, in Singularity. That you could do that on, you know, on the servers of Microsoft Azure or something, right? The reason it's so important to develop this on a decentralized infrastructure that runs in every country on the planet and that is not owned or controlled by any one party is because once you make the transition to AGI, suddenly every government and every large corporation will try to eat it and control it. Yeah. And what you want, you want it to be rolled out more like the internet or more like Linux, where the AI mind is fragmented and running all, all over the planet with no one owning or controlling it. So, so that when at least at least when the transition to AGI happens, that that in itself is happening in a globally distributed way. Like we're we're, we're talking now to these people in 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 Paraguay who want to use hydro hydroelectric electric power to make this uh, in, incredible data center that's like uh, two to three times as big as the biggest data center in in in, in China five or 10 times as big as the biggest individual like Google or Microsoft data center. So if they build this amazing AI data center in Paraguay and we're then running part of the first AGI mind in Paraguay while part is in, you know, Azerbaijan, part is in Turkmenistan, a bunch is in the US, part is in China, parts in Russia, parts in Ukraine, like parts in Iran, parts are in Ethiopia. So it's running on machines all over the place connected by the internet, which is a global open system. If that if that's where the transition to AGI happens, right, then it's not that easy for anyone to suck it up and and control it yeah. and use it toward their own narrow corporate yeah, or yeah. or sort of tribalistic governmental aims. Yeah, that doesn't solve every problem, right? But but it it it, it places an interesting yeah. spin on how the how the transition to to a global super intelligent AGI unfolds. Yeah, I, I've been always a huge fan of what you guys are doing. Um and and full alignment, you know, in terms of the the concepts and it, I think what's what's great about it is that it's it's not just philosophically in my opinion the the right way to go. It also technically to me feels like the the fastest way to get there. So it's 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 not just uh, you know, that I, I believe in it from a, you know, from a societal benefit standpoint, but I also believe it from a tech, from a technologist standpoint as, as better. If one, if, if one company or one system tries to invent all the things that are necessary to make this possible, we'll be waiting a lot longer. Um, and yeah, th I mean, this is why big tech companies have embraced open source for AI code, right? But then but then the models they build with this AI code, they keep proprietary. Right. But they've seen they need to open source the the AI AI code itself. But I think we need I mean we need to go a step further and make the actual deployed learning AI minds open and as well as as well as the source code. But we've we've already seen that, you know, big companies that hate openness and want to own everything they had to open up certain things or they'd just they'd just be left behind uh -huh. yeah yeah it seems like a yeah a forced scenario you mentioned two things i want to roll back to one is science fiction uh which i'm an obvious fan of um and the other was llms um and i worked on a film in, in an earlier life called galaxy quest uh i don't know if you've ever seen that film but it's um it's pretty funny 
so the the premise of it is that uh, a, a group of aliens have been watching uh, a show that is very similar to Star Trek, <laughs> um, and they consumed all of it, uh, believing that it was all truth, not fiction, because they don't have lies in this alien species. And they uh, they came down to Earth and 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 found the cast of of Star Trek essentially, um, and uh, and and then helped them to come back and save their planet because apparently that's what they are as heroes that know how to save everything, um, and and they were able to communicate with humans because they had studied these historical documents which were really a television show, <laughs> um, and then. Uh, and and then from there they were like um you know communicating and i i couldn't help but see uh open ai's uh llm and imagine that some alien species has consumed all of the data from the internet and 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 understanding the mathematics behind it have have now landed on our planet and are communicating to us uh ha- having consumed all this and 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 now me saying that's that's what that interaction would look like. It, they they may not understand our culture. They may well, not but, know but what we're talking. A, but Chat GPT is real. Chat GPT is really boring though. I mean, I, I I'd say I I hope an alien will have a bit more zing <laughs> to their communications. Because I mean, I, we've been working on language models trained on say my own writing or Philip K. Dick's writing and. In some ways, our models are not don't have the facility or breadth of knowledge of ChatGPT, but they're far more interesting in, 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 in what they say, and we and we've been using that to generate lyrics for the Desmond robot who sings in our band and and, and so forth. But so I, I think, I mean, ChatGPT, it's merging together, kind of everything on the web up to a, up to a certain point, and this is a, it's sort of lowest common denominator is it right and yeah i i I think they're what's interesting about and weird about these systems is they achieve a certain generality not through having a powerful ability to generalize but rather through having such a huge training data set right so so many of the things that people care about are represented in the training data Almost anything anyone asks, you can find a hundred things in the training data that are similar to that, and, and munge them together and synthesize an answer. It's cool, but it means you're achieving what appears as generality from the human perspective, right. without having much ability to actually make leaps of generalization on 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 its on its own. Right. So I mean, if if you had a world consisting of Chat GPT, is no fundamental progress with whatever would ever get made. You'd just be repermuting and, and re, re, recombining stuff. Right. And I mean, one one lesson, of course, is maybe 90% of human jobs are like that. I mean, you, you're not inventing anything very different. You are just repermuting and recombining stuff that's been done else, elsewhere on the planet, right? So that then, I mean, economically, you know, there's not that many economic functions that require true originality on on a culture and species level we certainly do require that true originality to to progress right, right? so i mean that's a, I, I mean as an example if if you trained a large language model on all music up to age up to the year 1900 so feeded only music up to 1900 nothing later then give it a prompt like 
let's synthesize uh, West African rhythms with, uh, you know, Western chordal church music, right? I mean, it will not invent jazz. It will never invent jazz. It will, it will put Mozart to West African beats instead, right? Uh -huh. So I mean, it, it's, it's not representing things at a level of abstraction such that it can combine things in a way that comprises a big creative leap, right? I mean, it will it will not invent Kandinsky's paintings either. So that I mean, there's there's a there's a lot that there's a lot that humans can do that isn't just sort of facile combination of things that have been done before, but and these instances of more radical creativity do play a huge role in driving our culture forward, yet they're a small percent of what almost all humans do right. day by day. I mean, th this is why, like, Facebook Galactica was a bomb, because they're, they're trying to use an LLM for science. But, I mean, science is one of the few areas of human pursuit where most of the time you really are trying to make a leap beyond everything that was done before and not just launch together stuff that was, that was done before. That's an so, important point, I yeah. I mean, to, to do science is not the same as writing a cover letter or writing a, like, college uh, college admissions essay. I mean, to do science and not just do something that looks like science to a non-scientist, you really do need to do something that is original and, and leaps beyond what, 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 what was there before. And, the, I mean, LLMs now cannot, cannot, cannot do that. Right. right? So that, that, that's it. Yeah. yeah that, that, that was, that was interesting. Yeah. It's baffling that Facebook didn't see that before releasing the thing, though. That is a weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's weird. Fuck, it must have gone through. Disconnect. Uh, yeah, it's the. Um, to me, it's it's that the if the aliens, you know, that that the LLM or the, the being able to suck in the words and and predict next words doesn't reveal the intelligence of of anyone. It just it's just a way to communicate. But what you communicate. And 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 what intelligence sits behind it? That's uh, why I've I've always felt that a lot of this is just more like a front end um, than it is a, a back end. Um, you know, it's it's more of an interface in my mind. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, there's a lot a lot we just don't know, right? I, I, I mean, I, I, I think because uh, we're gonna have hybrid type systems where we have things like LLMs, then we inject. AGI systems like the kind we're trying to build in OpenCog Hyperon and Singularity that we inject AGI systems into the into the mix with these LLMs. So then you're getting something that's different than LLM or different than the human like mind, right? It it it's it's it is it's a mind that's alien in a in a more fundamental sense than a than a bug eyed monster coming from from another planet or something, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. because it's a it's 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 not a mind that is created to control a physical body moving around in an environment trying to get energy and, and survive. It's like an, it's a different sort of mind that crystallizes in this this distributed decentralized network from a combination of these super powerful narrow AI systems with some AGI components and like and maybe crystallizes from human brains with their with their brain implants also, right? So I mean, it's it's really it's going to be quite different sorts of minds. Science fiction has not done that great a job of 
exploring the domain of radically non-human modes. I mean, Stanislaw tried in Solaris, but his conclusion was just, well, there's going to be very alien, non-human types of minds that we cannot understand what they are. And then he's just like, well, we'll give up, right? <laughs> on the other hand, most most alien minds in science fiction are, you know, they're aliens in bodies, vaguely like human bodies that are going around trying to mate and survive and get resources and so on. And that, that sort of setting for a cognitive system pushes minds to be quite human-like in, 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 in some ways, right? So already in in the case of like distributed intelligent networks on the internet crystallizing together out of some embodied, some not so strongly embodied, some narrow, some generally intelligent systems. What kind of mind might crystallize and self-organize out of this? That's a very hard thing to explore and to to dramatize, right? And you, I come back to a comment that Michael Rose, the biologist I've been working with on this project, trying to understand why certain fruit flies we have live live so long. So we have these flies that live five times as long as normal flies, created by 40 years of experimental evolution. We're trying to use machine learning and reasoning to understand their DNA and to understand why they live so long. And what Michael Rose, the biologist who conducted the evolutionary experiment to produce the long-lived flies, keeps saying is like, they're, they're, there doesn't need to be a protagonist. There doesn't need to be an antagonist. There doesn't need to be like one gene or one process which is the most important thing in making these flies live a long time. It could be a complex network of 3,000 things interacting together in some complex nonlinear dynamical pattern that just doesn't fit, you know, the dramatical schema that, that, that people, uh, people want it to. Like not, not everything is a Hollywood movie, right? And uh, I, I, I think it just, just like we run into that bias in trying to understand biological networks. We're trying to cast it into a simple template our mind can understand like this one gene is making us live a long time instead of it's these thousand genes participating in some complex network, each with a minor role, right? right? In the in the same in the same way, I mean science fiction writers gravitate toward forms of alien intelligence that are ridiculously Human-like, but different in a few right. parameters. Like this super intelligent cat is 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 is, is more aggressive or something, right? Yeah. And, or this this mind is like Spock. He's very very logical, but actually, the space of minds being explored is really 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 close to human minds. And already, when you think about an intelligent singularity system sprawled across the internet, you're already in a region of mind space that's tremendously different than most science fiction writers right have, it's it's almost like an aspen tree you know you, you can look at replicating an aspen tree but you realize that it's it's part of a system and it's connected to other aspen trees and then mycelium connects it to other parts of the forest and so replicating yeah the aspen we're just tree doesn't not, matter we're just not that good at so we're not good at thinking about those systems just like we're not good at thinking about systems like chat GPT with the insane amount of training data that goes into them, right? Like our, our thinking about intelligent systems is very 
closely bound to humans and 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 animals, which is is what we what we evolved to to think about. And I mean, for this reason, among others, we really are leaping into the unknown and incomprehensible. We're definitely not. We're definitely not uh, moving forward into into a safe zone. I mean, n- n- nonetheless, I I'm fairly optimistic. You know, we're going to create post singularity superminds that are compassionate and friendly and helpful toward people. I recognize, though, my optimism about this is largely just constitutional or intuitive mm-hmm. or spiritual or something because if if uh, ju- just like the paranoia of an Elon Musk or Nick Bostrom is probably constitutional and emotional to them right the, 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 I think if you want to look at it from a pure rationalist probability calculating standpoint mostly what you can say is the confidence interval is very very wide like I, I mean on a pure rational basis, we're moving into domains where we don't have a solid ground of, of knowledge about what's going to happen. There's there's no rational reason to assume it's probably going to be bad. Right. I'm not sure there's a rational reason to assume it's probably going to be good either. Right, and, and, and it kind of comes down my to... Optimism the... is, my optimism is probably guided by the non-rational parts of my human right. mind. And for some people... For some people, that will be reassuring because they don't overvalue the, the rational as 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 the only component of insight. For right. some people, that will be disturbing because they, they think that rationally calculating the odds is is, is the only meaningful thing, yeah. right? But I mean, that's a, that, I think that's what we're looking at. Yeah, and to your point, generalization also falls into here because it, it may be good for one person and bad for another you know to to speak generally is 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 difficult and well yeah but i i think if if you have an agi greater than human intelligence that doesn't want to kill people what wants to let people alone mostly to conduct conduct their lives as, as they wish maybe intervening if someone tries to nuke a bunch of people <laughs> and that say airdrops uh, Drexlerian molecular assemblers ar- ar- around the world for whoever wants whoever wants them, alo- along with uh, you know chatbot interfaces to a massive superintelligent knowledge base I mean if we get that sort of future for humanity indeed it's not going to be good for everyone I mean a billionaire will be pissed off they're no longer a lot richer than, than everybody else and I mean people who people whose thing was feeling superior because they can do more stuff than other people will be left at, at a loss. So it's, it's not going to be good for everyone, but it's going to be pretty good for the vast majority of people. And if we get that sort of future for humanity, I think uh, I will consider the singularity as as having been a big a big success, yeah. right? And so that's it. My son is a jazz musician, so I... I see the precision and mathematics that go into creating jazz, but then there's also a solo, which is like this extremely vulnerable human moment. Um, it makes me wonder, like you could imagine, and you've talked about uh, AI playing music or singing, um, but 
what kind of relationship do you think that level of intelligence might have with creativity? Well, I think, I think narrow AIs like we have now, whether it's large language models or something else, can do a lot of music composition and improvisation, but they will lack the the magic that, that, that you get from having a human pour, pour their heart into either the structure of a, of a composition or, 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 the, or the solo. Because, I mean, the, the mathematics of composition is there, but, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't distinguish Mozart from Salieri, right? I mean, it, 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 does, it doesn't tell you why, why the, like, the very simple trumpet line in, in Bitches Brew by Miles Davis is so... <laughs> so evocative, even though it's just that's so so simple. I mean, yeah, there's implicit harmony there, but why is that? Why is that like get at the human soul so much, right? So, on the other hand, I think once you made the transition to AGI, I think the AGI will be able to do that, even even though it's 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 not a human. Yeah, I think the AGI will be able to come up with stuff that's profoundly emotionally evocative evocative to people but i i do suspect to do that on more than a sort of one-off accidental basis here and there you're going to need the transition from their ai to to agi on the other hand i think even after agis can do that i think people will still be interested in having other 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 people do that right i mean just just the knowledge that some human came up with this yeah. gives it a different feel. I mean, just like sitting in the audience of a live jazz performance, I mean, seeing the guy there improvising that on the saxophone, it feels different than hearing it on a recording, right? And so, I mean, in the same way as a human, seeing a human there playing that is going to feel different than seeing a robot playing that or hearing yeah. it on, 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 on the recording. Yeah, we respect the self-discipline you know that You know what that person had to go through to learn to move their fingers that way, right? Yeah. That, that, that yeah. Means, means, means something to you. But it does mean you're going to be refocusing on the process and on the human connection there. It's going to be more like that drum circle around the fire in, in, in Morocco than it is like the current music industry which is focused on like this guy's a star this guy's a great virtuoso he's so much better than everyone else we've got to listen to him and that 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 doesn't necessarily survive when the ai is 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 better it can move its fingers 10 times as fast as the fastest human human, human virtuoso but in the end that's kind of bullshit anyway right <laughs> and the the african drum circle is is, is probably more fundamentally healthy in in, in 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 terms of the the human human meaning of music. Yeah, well, thanks again, Ben. We'll let you get to your next call. Uh, really sure, appreciate sure, taking sure. the time. Yeah, thank, 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 thanks, thanks for all, all, all the fun, fun discussions, and uh, we should uh, do this again yeah. in, a, in, a, in a year or something. We'll see where AI has gotten to. Yeah, back great conversation. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to Invisible Machines. Don't forget to follow Invisible Machines wherever you get your podcasts so that you can hear new episodes as soon as they drop. 
You can also watch this podcast on the Invisible Machines YouTube channel. Thank you so much to everyone who listens to this podcast and especially to those of you who leave comments because we've received a lot of really useful commentary that has helped us shape this podcast as we move forward with it. Thank you as always to our producers, Elias Parker, Kate Timchenko, and our video editor, Michael Litvinov for making this podcast look and sound wonderful. We look forward to catching up with you again next week right here on Invisible Machines. Mm-hmm.